Hey friend, I'm Crystal Gurevich, and welcome to the Acres of Hope podcast. Together, we'll talk about hope and what hope looks like in the Bible and what hope looks like in our everyday life. We'll learn how to live beyond just merely surviving. There's so much more for us, and the miracle of hope is yours because of Jesus. God turned the Valley of Acre in Joshua chapter 7 from a valley of heartache into a promised land he called Acres of Hope. He wanted to give the exiled people of Israel his word that their hope wasn't lost forever. And because of Jesus, that's a hope we can cling to. Our hope is never lost. He hears your cries and he will rescue you. And you have Acres of Hope waiting for you. I recently went on the most centering trip to Italy. I say centering because before I left, I felt like I was hanging on by a thread in several areas of my life. And as I was away, it felt like God began to pull the threads back in and I didn't feel as frayed as I had before. I experienced a new culture. I ate incredibly thoughtful and delicious food I walked 25,000 steps a day, and I was immersed in ancient, medieval, renaissance, and contemporary art. I experienced the sight and smells of a centuries-old coastal town, and it all reflected back to what I was craving. Jesus. Jesus was in the center of it all. I felt him near, and I felt him give me hope, and I felt him rebirth something in me. Florence was the last city we adventured in, and the city name of Florence means rebirth. It's where artists and painters and sculptors began to discover ancient art forms because they were exposed to it centuries later by reading books and seeing how those before them had expressed creation. It's where Michelangelo lived. It's essentially the birthplace of the Sistine Chapel. What Michelangelo learned in Florence, he took to Rome. And as I was standing in the center of that chapel, the Sistine Chapel, I looked up and gazed at God's hand and Adam's hand stretched out toward each other. And my heart settled deeply into the same feeling. All I have to do is touch his fingertip or the hem of his garment and he will make me over again. I also stood in the Jewish quarter of Rome. It's the place where they believe the first century Jewish people would have lived and the place where many Jewish Roman citizens live today. I celebrated Jewish New Year in front of the most beautiful synagogue, eating apples and honey to commemorate the sweet new days ahead. And they have record of a first century Jewish hospital in the section of the city, and they believe that's where Luke most likely would have worked to help support Paul while he was living in Rome for two years as he awaited his trial with the Roman emperor Nero. And you can read about Paul's journey to Rome beginning in Acts chapter 22 and ending in chapter 28. And as I anticipated traveling to this part of the world where Paul would have lived, where he shared the gospel with all those who would have listened and where he eventually felt so alone, I wanted to write him a letter. I just wanted to commemorate my moments there in the same manner he would have in the form of a letter. And I also wrote a letter to the Roman church, 
to the people who loved Jesus and the one true God in the middle of a city that was littered with pagan temples and people who believed that their leaders were their gods. I wanted to say thank you to them for standing firm. So this episode will be the readings of my letters. First to Paul and then to the Roman church. They are a Sistine Chapel to us, a picture of how to reach out to God and touch him. To Paul, from a girl who loves Jesus, who is in awe of your servanthood to Christ Jesus, who learns from you that Jesus is your core identity, that you always point to him instead of yourself. You've taught me that I am set apart for God, a tithe to him, and that it's important to live my life like that for the gospel. You've helped me understand that we can live our lives sacrificially, completely poured out to him. You've proclaimed to me that Jesus is Lord, the Lord of Israel, the Lord of the Gentiles, the Lord of us. You inspired world change in the center of the world in Rome, in the center of my world now. Thank you for reminding all of us that salvation and redemption is through faith and grace in Jesus alone, that Jesus saves me. I can't save myself. You've taught me to live by a thesis statement, to be sure of my faith, to honor Jesus in all that I do. What a gift your words were to the Romans. You lay out all the details about how faith works, how Jesus' sacrifice really works. You helped them and me understand and give us confidence that our salvation is secure and true and steadfast. You challenge us to know the answer to objections to the gospel and to your faith. You teach us not to judge others. You were a mouthpiece of Jesus. You wrote a letter to the church in the city that bears the authority of Jesus Christ. You were an apostle. You were called. You had seen the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. God chose you to tell us that salvation is not by what we can do. You were a recovering Pharisee, and I've felt like that often. I'm recovering from the thoughts that can try to consume me that I, in some way, can save myself by what I do. You lived a life trying to earn your way to heaven, proving yourself to God but only he can save us. Your life is a reminder that we are not enough. Our sin is more than we can even think. You taught the Romans and all future generations that the good news is for all people, that victory is ours. You teach us what is worth our life. You teach us that Jesus is truly our redeemer and that leads us to obedience and that can be proclaimed among the nations. You helped us see who we really are in Christ, that we're loved and called and saints, something only God can do for us, that I'm loved even when I'm unlovable. I was lost, but God acted on my behalf. He loved me first, even when I was dead in my trespasses. You confidently declare over me that in the beginning, God revived me. My core identity is made holy, set apart. You teach me that holiness is something I should desire, that I'm headed to heaven, 
that's my end game. That's who I really am. I am my new self. I am changing into something I know I am not without you. Everything about me is something that you've done for me. God has given me grace and favor in everything I don't deserve despite of my sins. You teach me to pray for one another, to really dig into the harmony among us, to be eager to preach the gospel, to not be ashamed, just like Jesus taught us, even though you were in prison for him. You made it to Rome in chains, not in the way you would have thought, not free in the body, but free in the spirit. Thank you for living in Rome for two years, paying your own expense, and welcoming all who came to you, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance, even when you felt lonely and forsaken by most of your brothers. And thank you for writing such an encouraging letter to Timothy from the city that you longed to be in. It still fans our flames. And I confidently repeat the words you spoke to the citizens of Rome that they most likely heard in their home churches. May I always continually learn from how you encouraged them and proclaimed Jesus to them. Thank you for pouring out these words to them and to me and to generations that will be enveloped by these truths. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It does not matter if we are a Jew or a Gentile. God loves all humans the same. God is always true, even if every man is a liar. And God will never be unfaithful to his promises. We can trust him to be fair with his judgment because that is what he said he would do. We can't earn God's favor. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam, but the cure for the penalty of sin was also provided by one man, Jesus. And through baptism, those who are with Christ have also symbolically died with him on the cross. We've left the things of this world which can often cause people to sin. Baptism shows that those who have accepted Jesus have died to sin and they are no longer held by it. The only person who could save a mortal man from a life of sin and carnality was Jesus. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, he called us and justified us. Hosea is an example of God's love for people. Even though the people of Hosea's time did not love God back, the Lord showed kindness and mercy to them, just like you do with us. We must believe in Christ with our whole heart. And after accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can be saved. God grafted us into his family like an olive shoot. We each have our own gifts Each member of the body is important. The only debt we should have is a debt of love to our fellow brothers and sisters. We will all bow down before God and praise him. When our faith is strong, we can walk alongside those whose faith is growing. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan 
under our feet. We are forever grateful for your words that ring eternal in our hearts. Thank you for pouring out to the Romans because it continually pours into us centuries later. Thank you for teaching us to hope, to hope in Jesus, because he is sure. And when we focus our eyes on him and his unending, incomparable love for us, our hope spans acres that have no end. To the Roman Church, from a girl who loves Jesus, who is inspired by your courage and your search for truth, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure how the gospel reached you, but maybe several people in your city believed all at once. Or maybe you were Jewish men and women who heard the gospel in Jerusalem and the Spirit converted your hearts, and you shared your faith with more Jewish and Gentile believers around you. To Priscilla and Aquila, thank you for your service and your open heart and sharing your home here. I pray we can keep doing the same and all follow your lead. I love how Paul loved you and longed to see you. He probably didn't establish your church, but he understood your struggle. He was a Roman and a Jewish man who now believed in Jesus. You were able to hear the voice of Jesus through Paul, and you embraced it. You believed that your salvation was promised by the prophets before Jesus came to earth, and that Jesus came to finish and complete what was started in the Old Testament. The good news was yours. It was here. It came to you, and you believed. From the garden with Adam and Eve, the promise was yours. You believe that Jesus became a man and was the son of David and that he died in your place. You believed he was really human and became a human for you, but that he was also really God. And because of that, he knows what it means to suffer. And he is fully compassionate toward you. And he was full of power. And you believed this in a time where you were probably suffering much. And I want to repeat the words of Paul in the city where these words were spoken over you. You are loved and called and made holy. It's a promise we share together. Despite of every moment I faulted, you and I, we are his bride, the one he has wooed and saved and purified. We have the same thoughts toward our God. There's no greater love than his. The first long verse I ever memorized when I was a little girl was for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I wonder if you memorized this one too. And as you lived in a city littered with pagan temples to other gods and things that would break the heart of God, did you whisper this to yourself and over your city? Did your heart begin to beat a little faster halfway through Paul's letter as it was being read. I remember the day mine first did, and it still happens again each time I read it. What did it feel like the first time you were reminded that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit? 
or that the sufferings of your present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I am eternally grateful, as I am sure you were to know this truth that we can cling to when things feel overwhelmingly hard, when it feels like we can hardly catch a moment to breathe. I recently wrote a lot about hope, and I used a verse Paul wrote to you. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that keeps me going to see acres of hope. Oh, and the verse where Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, that the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray, with groanings too deep for words. That one makes me cry. What about when Paul tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Christ died, was raised, and sits on the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I hope every one of those words made you feel incredibly special and chosen and comforted, even as you may have been faced with every single thing on that list. You are heroes of the faith, ones who stood when all there was to do was stand. And that helps me stand. And to echo Paul's words Again, as a prayer for every believer today to mirror him in our daily life like you did in yours. Now the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My last night in Florence, I couldn't sleep. My trip was essentially coming to an end, and my mind waited until that moment to create reels of it all, one by one, recounting all I had experienced in the long, exciting days before. And I laid awake, thinking and praying, and I wrote this prayer, and then I wrote it down again, and I sent it to my friends, and I want to send it to you now. Let his spirit rebirth hope in you. He's got acres of it waiting for you. With all my love from Florence, the place meaning flourishing, the place of rebirth. As I sit here, I pray those two things over you, that you may flourish, abound in the goodness of God. For you to feel reborn in the love of the Father. For you to witness what he is birthing in you. 
for you to look for what he is creating for you now and in the moments to come, for you to feel renewed in the spirit. And I'm believing with you that he will continually make you new so that his kingdom flourishes and his creation glorifies him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. I am celebrating his faithfulness with you. In Jesus's powerful name, we pray and believe for rebirth and renewal and acres of hope. Amen. As you look for your acres of hope, please know my prayers keep going for you. Asking God to show you what he has planned for you and how his strength will be with you in every moment. Remember, you are a beautiful city. Be like Jerusalem. Don't stop stacking. You are now poised to never forget that you can have acres of hope.